Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. From Vermont Public, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. Here on the show, we answer your questions about Vermont because we want our journalism to be more inclusive, more transparent, and more fun. Today is a very special day. Because it's our fifth annual Brief History of Vermont Road Names. Every summer, BLS reporters fan out across the state to uncover the origins of bizarre road names of your choosing. I heard it from the the horse's mouth, (laughs) my husband. Over the years, we've covered quite a range of names, from Agony Hill and Devil's Washbowl to Popple Dungeon and High Low Biddy. But there are still so many odd monikers out there. For this installment, we had 16 finalists. We put those questions up for a public vote, and here's what the people chose. I am curious about Iranistan Road in Burlington. What's the story behind the great road names in Jericho? Brown's Trace? Tarbox Road? And a bit of a wild card. Whose job is it to come up with the punny messages on the highway traffic alert signs throughout Vermont? Be very careful giving any journalist an assignment involving puns. Or should I say, buckle up. We have support from Vermont Public Sustaining Members. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. Usually our road name explorations lead us down winding dirt roads, where any historical clues are buried in the underbrush or lingering around old farms. But Today's first question takes us to Vermont's Queen City. My colleague Michaela Lafrac is going to answer this one. Here's Michaela. First thing I do is call up the question asker, Ali Jalili of Burlington. Hi. Hi, Michaela. Well, it's nice to meet you. Thanks for hopping on this Zoom. First, um, why why Aranistan Road? I'm originally from Iran, and you know I, I'm an immigrant. I moved to the U.S. when I was a child, and uh, After a career with the U.S. State Department, Ali decided to retire to Burlington, and he started house hunting. When we were looking around Vermont for places to buy, I believe there was a listing on this road. And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. We have to we have to buy this house. It's on Iranistan Road. Can you believe it? (laughs) Right. Have you heard that phrase before? Iranistan? Never. I've never heard it. 
He didn't actually end up buying the house, but he's wondered about the street name ever since. He's from Iran, but he'd never heard the word Iranistan. He also noticed it doesn't match with any of the other street names in the area, which are like Hillcrest Road, Summit Ridge, you know. I live in Burlington, but I've never been to Iranistan Road, so I head over. Ooh, I've seen that house on Zillow. Aranistan Road is up in Burlington's hill section. It's a short road with only eight houses. I knock on all the doors. For the most part, people aren't home or they don't know anything about the name. But at the very last house, I finally get a tip. Toffee might might be worth knocking on her door. So this house, if you come to this corner of the yard. I'm pointed in the direction of Toffee Coles. She lives around the corner in this old white farmhouse. And word is she knows a lot about the neighborhood's history. Or as Toffee herself puts it to me just a few minutes later. I'm the only person who knows anything and of course, I know all what all the things John told me. Yeah. So that's- John's her deceased husband. This house has been in his family since the Civil War. Back then, the whole area was part of an estate owned by Colonel Legrand B. Cannon. Toffee says Cannon's the one who named the street Aranistan. No, he was a multimillionaire oh. uh, railroad baron who owned everything from the back end of this farm all the way up to Cliff Street. Okay. Uh, Iranistan Road uh, got that name because of their, the cannons uh, traveling around in the Middle East. So and this so well-traveled rich guy renames a road on his estate with a word that reminds him of his travels. Toffee says, yep, that's it. I heard it yeah. from the, the horse's mouth, my <laughs> husband, that, that the horse because he actually, he actually met old man Cannon oh, okay. when he was a wee little kid. Cannon told him. So that's theory number one. But here's the thing. According to some old city maps, the road was originally called Overlake Terrace, and it didn't change to Aranistan Road until around the 1940s. Cannon died in 1906. Also, let's remember, Aranistan is not an actual place in the Middle East, so it's not like Cannon would have visited. There's also a second theory, uncovered by Seven Days writer Ken Picard. Ken looked into the name Aranistan Road about a decade ago for the column Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, WTF. I found what seemed like a promising lead. Um, There was the entertainer P.T. Barnum, 19th century. Yep, Um, P.T. Barnum of Barnum and Bailey Circus. Stay with us here. Back in 1848, uh, P.T. Barnum, he built a large mansion in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and he named it Iranistan. The mansion was this wild mix of Byzantine, Turkish, and Moorish architecture. And it was a big deal. People would travel to see it as like a tourist destination. But it was destroyed by a fire in 1857. So what is the connection to Vermont? Well, turns out Barnum had a second cousin who was a veterinarian who married a woman from Burlington. They didn't stay married for very long. Real tenuous, but it's the only connection Ken can find. So he's like, all right, I'm just going to put this theory out there. He publishes his story, and then he gets a call from someone on Aranistan Road, Grace Pomerleau. Now, anyone who lives in the Burlington area knows the name Pomerleau. It certainly has some street cred, literally. 
big real estate family and big donors to parks and public services. Lots of things in Burlington bear the Pomerleau name. Now, I'd unsuccessfully tried to find Grace Pomerleau during my door-knocking adventure. But here's what she told Ken about the P.T. Barnum connection. Back in the late 1930s, early 1940s, when it was still called Overlake Terrace, there were only two houses, number one and number 27. Now, as the story goes, the guy at number 27 said, hey, if I can get that number one street number from you, you can rename the road. So they switch numbers, and the new 27 picks the street name Aranistan. So, again, why Aranistan? And now, according to Grace... The man who lived at 27 Ranistan Road, he picked that name because he was friends with the Barnum family. As far as I could tell, uh, that's the origin. It was an invention of P.T. Barnum. Now, you know what P.T. Barnum is known for. Sucker is born every minute. So I am taking Grace's word for this. So there it is. Theory number two. Now, not only do we have two theories, but surprise, we also have two question askers. Aranistan Road was submitted by Ali Jalili, who we heard earlier, and by another Vermonter named David Boyle. David and I chatted, and he asked me not to record our conversation, but he said I can share what we talked about. When he was younger, David and his family would go to Aranistan Road every year to see the Christmas lights at Tony Pomerlo's. That's Grace's dad. David's also a veteran of the war in Afghanistan, and he wonders about the word Iranistan. He wants to know, is it offensive to Iranians? I reach out to Atta Ansani, an Iranian and an associate professor of religion at Middlebury College. I've never seen like Iranian people use that in any way or form to refer to Iran. I don't think the guy who named that street was of Iranian background by any means. (laughs) He explains Istan means land of in Farsi. Afghanistan means land of Afghans. But Iran has never been an Istan country. This word, the way it's used in English, is very different. And it is uh, related to Orientalism. And I feel like when you say Iranistan, it's like their take on this exotic land and how they really fetishize those cultures. Is is Iranistan, like you brought up Orientalism, like does it feel like it's kind of tokenizing a culture or is it is it just kind of like a quirky, weird thing? Uh, especially for people who have a more nationalist tendencies, Iranistan can be, can be an offensive kind of thing. But I honestly think this word is so out of the regular language. It's not like like people really use it or know about it. It's like when they hear it, it's just like, what the hell is that? You know, I don't even know, right? <laughs> Our question asker, Ali Jalili, sums it up perfectly. Iran is not a stan country. So it's, it's just an unusual name for sure. Michaela Lafrak. Coming up, the punsters of V-Trance. But first, we're going to head from Burlington out to the town of Jericho for a tour de force of road name history. This one comes courtesy of my colleagues Matthew Smith and Mary Angish, who met up with a most curious question asker. 
the main ones that I was thinking about were Brown's Trace, um, Snipe Island slash Snipe Ireland, and what were the other ones? Nashville and Tarbox, I think. And Raceway? And Raceway, yes. Yeah. That is our question asker, Sam Gralty, fitting five questions into one. And Sam has lived in Vermont for about seven years, first in Richmond and then here in Jericho. The lucky thing for us is that Jericho has a de facto town historian. His name is Gary Irish. Hi, Gary Irish. Nice to meet you. We've emailed. Yeah, I think so. We all meet up at the Jericho Center Green. And Gary arrives exactly how you'd expect a small-town Vermont historian to arrive, driving a nearly century-old Ford Model A. And he looks the part, too. A big white beard, a sun-smart straw hat, maroon Converse sneakers, and a T-shirt that announces the 250th anniversary of Jericho, Vermont. But Gary says his roots don't go back quite that far. A relative newcomer to Jericho. We've only lived here four generations. (laughs) Family history. It's a big part of how lots of Jericho roads got their names. But we're talking about a specific kind of family. In the, when the town was first settled, A, there wasn't very many roads, and B, you know, you know oh, gee, that's you know, where, you know, Rectus Orr lives up that road, so that's Orr Road or whatever. Back when Jericho was founded in 1763, places got their names from, well, the people who colonized the place. Those people were mostly white, European descendants. And if you weren't in that group, your names in history have more or less been erased. Carol McGranahan with the Vermont Commission on Native American Affairs told me that Abnaki Native Americans who were here long before the Europeans would have never named a road after a person. Instead, she said, Abenaki place names were based on the physical features of the area. That's a very different approach than the history that Gary is telling us, which has the names of residents and immigrants deeply woven into the place names. So we can take care of the first three names on Sam's list pretty quickly. The roads named after Jericho's earliest white families. Number one. So where did the name Tarbox Road come from? Well, that's an easy one. Um, That's another one of these examples of named after the family that lived there, Cyrus Tarbox. Now, where his family name came from, I have no idea. Number two. Nashville Road. Named after the Nash family. (laughs) And cut. (laughs) (laughs) There was a Caleb Nash that was one of the early... And number three, Brown's Trace. Hi, this is Catherine McMains. I'm calling to uh, return your phone call. Catherine McMains of the Jericho Select Board told me this. The Brown family was the very first family in Jericho. And Brown's Trace is named after them. And Trace used to be the name, what used to be called Groves. They were traces in the wilderness. Indeed, a bit of Googling does bring up the reference of trace being synonymous with road, as in a path that someone or something takes. Brown's Trace is also where our tour guide Gary Irish grew up. And my father was a farmer, and so, you know, cows by nature walk along in the same path every day, so they make a, a dirt path. And so as a kid, I'm walking along there one day and found an arrowhead. Well, gee, this is kind of neat, so I picked it up and hung on to it. Gary says years later, he brought that arrowhead to the Vermont Archaeological Society. When they're like, ooh, um, they say this is something like 12,000 years old. Gary learned the arrowhead was made from material most likely from Maine, probably used and traded between indigenous Americans in what's now New England. 
Um, so there obviously were Native Americans around in that time period. And this acknowledgement is vital to note because many of the official histories of Vermont towns claim there were no, quote, Indians living in Vermont, a false history which persisted for hundreds of years. As for the Browns, Gary Irish recounted the oft-told story of that family, Jericho's first white settlers. The Browns family had moved to Vermont from around the Great Barrington, Massachusetts area, uh, bought land, and I believe it was the town of Sterling. Which the Browns arrived in what's now Jericho kind of by accident after taking a wrong turn at Mount Mansfield. This was in 1774, but they liked the land and decided to stay. During the American Revolution, the Browns were taken prisoner by the British Army. After war's end, they made their way back to Jericho and lived on what is now Brown's Trace. Their descendants still live in the area. We keep walking through the Jericho Center Green, shaded by what have to be century-old maple trees. And we get to Sam's fourth road name, and the first that's not named after a person or a family. It's a road called Raceway. This is one of those things that's just been you know, handed down by word of mouth. Is I've never found anything written about this or anything. Gary says that road leads to a long, flat stretch of land. Perfect for a horse race. And so, well, gee, my horse is better than your horse. Oh, no, it isn't, sort of thing. Well, so Sunday afternoon, you went over there and had a race. And so it was before you went to have the race, so it was the race way. Our question asker, Sam, says he rides his bike in the area, and it is indeed a good place for a race. I definitely have tried to, well, not really race my friends on that part, but I definitely have tried to ride fast through there, and it is nice and straight, so it can definitely get a lot of speed. Now for the answer to Sam's final road name, Snipe Island Road. First, a quick word about the snipe part. A snipe is a migratory bird that breeds from Vermont to Alaska and heads south for the winter. So an island full of snipes in a brook or in the Winooski River, likely the origin of the first half of that road name. The second half, the island part, is where it gets a little weird. Sam's question specifically is, why is the road leaving Jericho named Snipe Island Road, but in nearby Richmond, it's named Snipe Ireland Road? And for this explanation, I have to turn to a Richmond history buff. My first name is Wright, and my last name is Preston. I grew up in Burlington and live on Snipe Ireland Road in Richmond. Wright has something of an obsession with Snipe Island, with the road, the nearby brook that bears its name, and its alter ego, Snipe Ireland. And Wright has traced that history back about as far as he can. It appears that the... The word Snipe Island for Snipe Island Brook and ultimately the road started perhaps in 1870. Wright has poured through historical records, old maps, property deeds. He's even done his own interviews with people who lived in the area around the turn of the last century. He submitted his findings to the Richmond Historical Society, and it all points to the road's name as Snipe Island Road. Until... Well, until his own grandmother decided to change it in the 1980s. My grandmother, Mildred Preston, felt, based on the lore of the road and the lore in Richmond, that it was originally Snipe Ireland. Uh, Irish families were settling in Richmond 
in the 1840s and 50s. So in 1983, she petitioned the Richmond Select Board and prevailed, but only on the Richmond side. On the Jericho side, nothing changed. And it's been that way for about 40 years now. My husband and I, we always knew the road to be called Snipe Island. This is Fran Thomas, president of the Richmond Historical Society. It appears that Mildred Preston went to the select board and asked to have the name changed to Snipe Ireland. And um, it appears that she felt that there was enough Irish heritage along the road that Ireland would be a better name than Ireland. So, after all that, was Grandma Preston right? Was the original name of the road Snipe Ireland? Well, according to her own descendant, her grandson, Wright Preston, no. I've found no references to Snipe Ireland uh, until 1980. 1980 and forward, but going earlier than that, I, I haven't bumped into it. Reliable um, residents of Richmond at, at the time who uh, indicated that to them it was always called Snipe Island um, and not Ireland. So um, it appears that maybe his grandmother was wrong. So, knowing this history, I asked Wright Preston, should Richmond undo his grandmother's work and change the name back, back to Snipe Island Road? He says, maybe? I really, I really, I like Snipe Ireland. I prefer Snipe Island. And I really don't want the name to be lost. As for Fran Thomas... I kind of like the quirky name of Snipe Ireland. Fran says she hopes the unusual name will inspire future history buffs to think about where the road names in their community come from. You know, have them maybe be interested in doing a little research or uh, to find out what other roads where they got their names. So, hint, hint. Matthew Smith and Mary Angish reported that segment with help from Lexi Krupp. After the break... One of the ones that we got so much positive feedback on was it said, no Valentine, your seatbelt will hold you. We switch lanes for a question about puns on Vermont's highways. This is Brave Little State. Welcome back to Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. Today is our fifth annual Brief History of Vermont Road Names, where we answer a handful of listener questions about altogether befuddling names. But for this last question, we've got to change gears, so to speak. My colleague Brittany Patterson can explain. Katie Ruff and her husband often visit family out of state, especially around the holidays. On their way, they'll sometimes see those big digital message boards on the side of highways like 89 and 91. They're like the black temporary um, signs with the orange dots that spell out different things. They've made a big impression. The one I remember the best was we were driving out of Vermont for Thanksgiving, and the sign said something along the lines of, Happy Turkey Day, don't drive basted. Um, And then uh, there was another one referencing, like, 
dangerous snowy road conditions. It said winter is coming, like in Game of Thrones. And Katie says she appreciates the humor Vermont is bringing to these message boards. That makes us really proud to live in Vermont. (laughs) But like any good brave little state question asker, she wants details. Like, is there a guy whose job it is to come out and type in the funny signs? That that would kind of make it better in a way. Katie, there is a guy. My name's Ryan Knapp. Uh, I've been with the state for 11 years now. And there's a gal. I get texts from my friends all the time that are like, was this you on this message board? And I'm like, maybe. (laughs) That's Rachel Noyes. And Rachel and Ryan work with a whole team of folks. We'll get to that a little bit later. As for how the messages get on the signs, Ryan does type them in. Sort of. It's just like sending a text message, only you're sending it to a message board. Ryan works for the Vermont Department of Transportation, or VTRANS. And for the last three years, he's been the supervisor of the Transportation Management Center, or TMC. If something happens on the roads, Ryan and his team know about it. I talked to Ryan inside the TMC in Barrie, where three radio streams pipe in messages from VTRANS personnel around the state. There's a wall covered in screens, and one of them shows all 80 of the state's message boards in real time. So if a road's closed ahead or if there's a crash scene ahead. Now, part of our other use for all of the message boards is um, traffic and public safety in general. Sadly, no punny messages are up on the day I visit. And historically, the safety messages were pretty straightforward, like what our question asker Katie still sees in other states. Cell phones down, buckle up, it's the law, you know, those pretty basic ones. And look, Vermont does those too. But in early 2019, folks inside VTRANS decided to also try something new. Here's Rachel Noyes again was like, okay, we had a little bit more freedom on what we were going to put for this Valentine's Day. And one of the ones that we got so much positive feedback on was it said, no Valentine, your seatbelt will hold you. Rachel is the outreach manager for the Highway Safety Office. She's the other half leading the brain trust inside VTRANS that helps come up with the punny road sign messages. And we got so much feedback through the website, through the AOT website, through our website. Um, I got text messages and calls from friends and family that were on the highway. And so it sort of like sparked this, you know, we're getting the message out there. And science agrees. In 2020, a group of researchers at Virginia Tech published a study that found these non-traditional messages worked. 90% of people said they were both appropriate and effective. Trip Sheely led the research. He says they found the more specific, the better. Like, get your head out of your apps. Uses both wordplay, includes humor, and is specific about a message about distracted driving. So something like that works a whole lot better than a more general message about just being safe. And that tracks with what seems to be working here in Vermont. Here's Ryan again. How can we get folks' attention while also, you know, uh, following the guidelines um, from the federal government? Um, but, you know, quite honestly, making people laugh a little bit um, because those are, the, those are the signs that they remember. In total, there are about 12 folks within the agency that weigh in on the punny messages. It's about 50-50 borrowing from other states slash the internet and internal brainstorming. And writing these messages is harder than you might think. There's a strict character limit. And again, they have to make sense and fast because, you know, driving. Some that have made the cut. 
Drive safely. XOXO VTrans. Hocus Pocus, drive with focus. <laughs> Texting while driving? Oh, sell no. Um, you may sparkle, but don't drive lit. 90 is the temperature, not the speed limit. Camp in the woods, not in the left lane. Um, and only Rudolph should drive lit. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> But in all seriousness, Rachel and Ryan say the goal here is safety. Vermont's highway fatalities have been climbing steadily since 2019. And last year marked the highest number of deaths in a decade. You know, why not try something new and why not see how people respond to we're in this together and this is why Vermonters drive like this. So in the spirit of safety, be brave. Signal before changing lanes. Thank you very much, Brittany Patterson. Thanks so much for listening to our fifth annual Brief History of Vermont Road Names. And thanks to this year's question askers, Ali Jalili, David Boyle, Sam Gralty, and Katie Ruff. Find our full collection of road name histories at our website, bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can sign up for the BLS newsletter, ask your own question, and vote on the question you want us to tackle next. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit at BraveStateVT. This episode was reported by Michaela LaFrac, Mary Angish, Matthew Smith, Lexi Krupp, and Brittany Patterson. I produced and mixed it with editing and additional production by the Brave Little State team. Josh Crane, Myra Flynn, and me. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music, other music by Blue Dot Sessions. A very special thanks to Ken Picard, Carol McGranahan, Gary Irish, Wright Preston, Harriet Riggs, and Amy Tatko. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public. If you like our show, please make a gift at bravelittlestate.org donate. Or just tell your friends to listen. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back soon with more people-powered Vermont storytelling. Until then, remember, be brave, ask questions. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.